Amen. Good morning, Grace. So glad you're here today. Well, let me tell you about a really great day in our house that happened a couple of years ago. Uh, it was one of those days, it was kind of 30-something years in the making. I mean, we're talking real rites of passage type stuff between a father and his son. It's one of those days, I mean, Norman Rockwell type of days. It was the day that all my old baseball cards came down from the attic. Okay, Nathan was interested. He wanted to see what players we had from, wanted to see if we had anything valuable kind of from my collection from the 80s and early 90s. But before we did that, we had to have this kind of conversation. We had to say, hey, that Ken Griffey Jr. card, I, I know you want to like touch it. We're going to leave it in its little protective sleeve. Okay. Hey, that Sammy, Sammy Sosa rookie card, the one where you don't recognize him because he's all pre-steroidal and normal looking, Right. Let's, let's leave that one alone. Hey, but if you see one with Billy Ripken on it, have at it. I mean, you can throw it to the dog in, in the next yard. You can sleep with it. I don't care. But if you see Billy's brother, Cal, okay, hold tight. Don't touch that one, okay? And for the most part, he gets it. He's even into this now with his own generation of cards. He's trying to take care of them and trying to figure out which ones are going to be valuable later on. We've only had to have a couple of conversations where I said something like this. Hey, buddy. Do you know what you have in your hands? Do you know what you have in your hands? I mean, if you, if you really did, I think you might treat it differently. You might handle it differently. Now, you might have a similar story in your own family of a, some precious family heirloom, something that was handed down from generation to generation, that old quilt, that piece of jewelry, some piece of fine china, or maybe that old car in granddad's garage. Son, if you, if you only knew what you had in your hands, it might change your approach. It might change the way you handle it. See, son, there are, there are some things that because of their value, we have to take care of them a certain way. And as I'm saying these things, of course, the Lord is just impressing on my heart a spiritual truth, right? How we treat things says a lot about how we value them. How we treat things says a lot about how we value them. And it's in that light that we're moving on in our series on the fruit of the Spirit. And we've done love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. And now we're on to gentleness. And gentleness might be the most overlooked of the spiritual fruits in this list. It's potentially the one that's most easily misunderstood. And it could be the one that you and I desire the least. And the reason I know that is because a couple of years ago, a number of years ago, George Barna did a research project of Christians, and he, he gave out 30 different biblical characteristics, and he asked Christians to um, rank them in level of importance from 1 to 30. And I think you know where this is going. Guess what was number 30? Gentleness. Gentleness. It's the one for me that when I was talking to my wife and uh, I was saying, yeah, I've got to fill in for Matt and we're doing some of these Fruit of the Spirit messages and she asked me which ones I had and I got to gentleness and she literally laughed out loud. <laughs> felt, felt very attacked. Okay. <laughs> so you have to know today that I'm not coming to you today as a man who is an expert in this, but more like uh, someone who's a failure many times over. You see, someone who's well acquainted with how a lack of gentleness can damage valuable things and how much the Spirit's help I need. See, I'm a man that does not always treat the valuable things in life the way that I should. I resonate very much with Jonathan Edwards, the great Puritan, when he wrote a couple hundred years ago. Speaking of gentleness, he said this, a virtue to which I, I need in a higher degree. To give a beauty and luster to my behavior is gentleness. If I had more of an air of gentleness, I should be much mended. Me too, Jonathan, me too. 
And so as we begin today, I want to remind you of the context of the fruit of the Spirit. Right? Galatians 5 is this context of these lists of godly characteristics. But we need to remember that I bring deeds to the flesh to the party. That's what I bring. But I'm told that through the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit that was given to me as a promise and a seal and a guarantee when I became a disciple and a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm told that if I will walk by his Spirit, I will not gratify the deeds of the flesh, but instead he will grow, a, grow fruit in me, much fruit and more fruit. And one beautiful aspect of that fruit is gentleness. And so let's dig into it this morning. I'm, here's what I'm hoping to accomplish with this. I want us to look at this word. I want us to look at this concept. We'll do a, a brief tour of the scriptures on this topic. And while we do that, we're going to see the need for it, who we're supposed to give it to, who it's required of. But ultimately, we're going to see that this is a characteristic of God himself, and it's perfectly exemplified in the life of Jesus Christ. And then I want us to ask the question, the natural question, which is, do I need more of this fruit? And how do I get it? So let's, let's define it. As I mentioned before, it is easy to misunderstand this concept because most of the time when we think of gentleness, we think weakness or passivity or not enough backbone, uh, not strong enough. It seems incredibly unappealing, right? It, it lacks uh, power or ambition or success, right? Those gentle people, they aren't strong enough to get the job done. They get taken advantage of. They never get the good parking spot in the parking lot because they're just not aggressive enough, okay? And I'm here to win, but as we look at this concept, I want you to see that the origins of the word Paul uses in Galatians 5, sometimes in your Bible it's translated meekness, and it's, it's, you know, it's unfortunate that meekness and weakness rhyme because that is not the concept at all. Instead, one of the more common usages of the root word that we have of gentleness in that day and age in Galatians 5 is, is used of an animal that has been tamed and brought under control. So as you think about gentleness, maybe the image that should pop in your head is more like a racehorse that has been disciplined to do exactly what its rider has been instructed, instructing it to do. A powerful stallion that's reins have been handed off to an owner now so that, that owner can use that raw power and strength for his good purposes. As I was thinking about this concept and how to illustrate it, I naturally thought of my daughter. Uh, she has taught me a lot about uh, gentleness and my lack thereof. Now, one of the things we love to do in our house and have uh, still to this day is we, we love to, like, wrestle and mix it up. I mean, we go hard in the Morris house. We've broken a few things here and there. But she likes to mix it up just like a brother. But when we do, I do not go at full strength, right? It's different. Now, don't tell her that, okay? Don't ruin the fun for her, okay? She's tough. I want her to be tough, but it's not the same. I, I know how much power I have. It's a, it's a mismatch, and so I have to temper that because she's precious to me. And I don't want her to unnecessarily hurt. And I don't want to hear her scream, okay, because it's loud. <laughs> in fact, most of the times that I myself have gotten hurt in these wrestling matches has been when I have tried to contort my body in some way so that she wouldn't full, feel the full brunt of my strength. It has to be under control. I have to hold my strength back. And so a more biblical definition of gentleness might be something like power and strength that are under control. And that person, ideally, is under the control of the Holy Spirit. He's using that strength and power for his good purposes on this earth. And so in the Bible, right, great, uh, gentleness is not a lack of strength. Guys, ladies, we can still throw the iron around the workroom. Be strong, okay? 
but it's godly, spirit-fueled exercise of this power. And we know this because later on we're going to see that gentleness is a word that is used to describe God himself. And there, there is no lack of power. There's only the appropriate use of that power. And so let's, let's do a, a brief rundown. I'll give you a quick synopsis of this idea of gentleness that we find in the scriptures. If you're a note taker, you can write these down. Maybe read them later. Maybe dig into them yourself. This is how we see gentleness portrayed to us in the scriptures. Titus 3.2. We're told to be gentle and to show perfect courtesy towards all people. Same word that's used in Galatians 5. Ephesians 4, 1 to 2, Paul in his transitional statement between really high theology about who Jesus Christ and what he came to do, and as he moves to application, he tells the Ephesian believers to walk in a manner worthy of their calling with, and then he's going to fill in the blank. And you would expect that he might say with all boldness, with all zeal, with all, with all fortitude, with sacrifice, faith, love. No, he says, walk in a manner worthy of your calling with all humility and gentleness. That's the manner worthy to walk, completely gentle. 1 Thessalonians 2.7, Paul describes the way he interacts with the people of Thessalonica, and he says, we were gentle among you like a nursing mother caring for her own children. There are a lot of metaphors used in the scriptures about Christian life and ministry, soldier, farmer, athlete, shepherd, but it also includes the example of a nursing mother. There is a level of care and attention and concern. Galatians 6.1 and then 2 Timothy 2.24 and 25 tell us that if we are going to need to correct someone or restore someone, that it should be done with gentleness. And this is important because gentleness, therefore, can't mean that I agree with everyone all the time or you can do whatever you want and it's okay or I have no conviction. It, it implies that there will be this need for correction this need for restoration, but when it's done, it's supposed to be done in a certain way, not harshly or vindictive. It should be done gentle with power under control. Colossians 3.19 and 1 Peter 3.1-7 give instructions to husbands and wives about how they're supposed to interact with one another. Husbands are told, do not be harsh with your wives and live with them in an understanding way or a, a gentle way. Women, are instructed to, that their gentle spirit would be the first thing that people notice about them. That is the most attractive thing about them. The thing that you notice first is their gentleness. 1 Peter 3.15, he tells us that, look, there are times when you're going to need to defend your faith or give an answer for the hope that is within you, but he says, do it with gentleness and respect. Proverbs 15.1, a gentle or soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. I know that one to be true. Ever lit something up with one careless word or sentence? Yeah. Philippians 4, 5 says, let your reasonableness be known to all. And that word reasonableness, same Greek word in Galatians 5. Is that the thing we're, you're known for? 1 Timothy 6, 11, Paul tells Timothy to chase after some things. They are so important that you should run after them. And he includes things like godliness and righteousness and faith and love, but on that list, on that list of things you should run after hard is gentleness. In addition, almost every list in the New Testament about what it takes to qualify for Christian leadership or church leadership includes this idea of gentleness or a lack of harshness with people. We also see God described that way. 
In 1 Kings 19.12, you'll see uh, Elijah in one of the worst moments of his life. And it says, the Lord spoke to him in a gentle whisper. Psalm 18.35, David talks about how God's gentleness is the reason for his success. Isaiah 40.11, God is described this way. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to to his heart. He gently leads those who have young. He's gentle with us. And so the, the Bible, pretty clear. Uh, gentleness is not an option for believers and disciples of Jesus Christ. Whatever power or strength we have, it's supposed to be used under a certain kind of control. And ideally, those reins are handed over to the Holy Spirit. That's what disciples do. And we also see this is a characteristic of God himself. And on top of that, we see our, our Savior, our model, Jesus. His life is a life marked with gentleness. I mean, his, his life, if you read through the Gospels, it is a master class in how, to, how strength and power are used under control. I could point you to any number of examples throughout the Gospel stories of, of him using his strength and power in the right way. But I want to take you to one, I think, very important verse in the Bible. It's the one that I want you to walk away today with uh, understanding, seeing, and hopefully applying to your life. Because for many years, I missed the real kind of aha moment of this passage. It's in Matthew chapter 11. We're going to start in verse 28 if you want to look there in the Bibles yourself. But it's going to be our central verse for today. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, when he wrote about this verse, he, he said, This is the only place that Jesus opens up and says this about himself. This is, my, this is what my heart is. And this biblical concept of heart, it's not just an emotive thing. It's more like this kind of control center of life. It's kind of the, the why behind everything. In business lingo, it would be the core vision and values of Jesus Christ. As Dane Ortland, in his most, more recent book, Gentle and Lowly, he rightly points out, it's the only place that Jesus self-describes what his heart is towards humanity. He says a lot about his purposes, says a lot about his titles, says a lot about what he came to do, teaches a ton of spiritual truths, but this, this is his heart. Matthew 11, verse 28 through 30. Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus describes himself and says, I am gentle and lowly of heart. This is the officially licensed autobiography. And I don't want us to miss it. Verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Our Savior, the one we follow, the one we're attempting to become like in all of our lives, he says, learn from me. You're going to need to learn this lesson. He says, I see people in need all around me carrying heavy burdens and in need of soul's rest. And he says, I am gentle and they find rest in me. And friends, as I thought about this this week, gentleness is something our world could use a lot more of. Our communities and workplaces and churches and families would thrive if there were more of this fruit on the vine. Instead, this world is, I think, attempting to press us into its image, into its mold, and it has very little value for gentleness. 
It's not trumpeted as a high value. Our role, our role models rarely look gentle. We live in an age of outrage and anger. Success in a disagreement is not just having the best argument, but making sure you embarrass your opponent properly. Right? If, this is how my mind works. If aliens landed on the planet, okay, I don't know how long it would take them down the list to get to the word gentle. Instead, they might say, this place is angry, forceful, harsh, demanding, domineering, severe, defensive, critical, passive-aggressive, on and on and on. It would take a long time, I think, before they got to gentle. And it's into the same world, right? Jesus comes into the same world we live in, just slightly different flavors of brokenness, right? Where might makes right and where power and abuse are still part of our day and age and prevalent where you can't watch a news program without seeing multiple examples of strength being abused. And Jesus came, comes into this and says, I am gentle and lowly of heart. Learn from me. If you're one of mine, learn from me. Be the kind of person where people find light yokes and lighter burdens. They don't always have to be defending themselves and on guard. Jesus might say this way, look, you're one of my disciples, right? Our hearts need to be aligned. Our hearts need to be aligned on this. Dane Ortland wrote, wrote this way. Gentleness is essential to Christian living. It's not an add-on. It's one of the few indisputable evidences of the Holy Spirit alive and well within someone. Gentleness is not just for some Christians, those wired a certain way. It is not the gift of the Spirit for the few. It is the fruit of the Spirit for all. To be gentle is who, to become who we were meant to be. And so friends, I'm, I'm with you. Disciples of Jesus, we do not get a pass on this one. We don't get to say, well, I'm, I'm just, it's not my personality type. I'm not wired that way. My personality is loud and abrasive. No one gets out of the fruit of the Spirit. If the Spirit is in you and you're walking by it, then gentleness is growing and people might need to use that word to describe you from time to time. And I'm with you. This one's hard. I told you where I was at on this one this morning. We don't get the excuse of, well, that's the family I grew up in, or we're just hotheads by nature. I've got a short fuse. You don't, you don't know the experiences that I've had in this life. Whatever you were born with or experienced is just the beginning point of what the Lord wants to do in your life. And when he turns hotheads into gentle souls, he gets so much glory. And we might get to say something like, if you only knew the anger and rage that I live with, but the Spirit has done something to me. Jesus says, learn from me. No matter where you start, learn from me. Whatever, regardless of any real or perceived disadvantage you think you might have in this area, Jesus says, become like me. Learn from me. I am gentle and lowly of heart. Our hearts should be aligned on this, this one. And so I hope you're saying at this point of the message, okay, Robert, I got it. Important concept all over the Bible. It's one of those overarching characteristics of God. It's perfectly exemplified in Jesus Christ. It's its heart. The world's hungry for it, and the Bible has given me some instruction to live and act that way. All right, got it. How in the world do I do that? I mean, how in the world am I going to do that? Because I might look at my life and say, yeah, that fruit's missing. Or there has not been a good harvest of gentleness for the last few months or the last few decades. 
Way, way more deeds of the flesh, right? Way more fits of rage and anger than there are gentleness in my garden. I'll run us, I think, through a similar application strategy as we had last week. It's the, it's the only one I know, okay? The first thing you could do is you could try to know where you're at. You could get some awareness. You could do a, a fruit inspection, right? Where, where are you? Now, I, I want to warn you that with gentleness, I've just found in my own life that I am the worst judge of whether I was gentle or not, okay? If you're like me, you are probably not the best person to assess yourself. You're going to need a second opinion here. We all think we're more gentle than we really are. We all think our tone is perfect at all times. It's never condescending or biting or sharp or has an edge. I learned something really new this week. I I, I don't know if you knew this, but there's a mechanism in your brain. It's called the superior temporal sulcus. I know, fancy word, right? And when others are talking to you, and when you're listening, it's the thing that's picking up on all the other cues, all the tone, body language thing, and it's interpreting those things for you. Guess what happens to this little part of your brain when you talk? It literally turns off. It literally turns off. It's the reason why you don't hear your voice the same way other people hear it. It's the reason when you listen back to an audio recording of yourself, you're like, is that really what I sound like? We're always surprised when someone says we have a tone or they give us some feedback about how we come across to others. It's why your preteen can't make sense of why you're always on them about their tone with their mother, right? Is it just my house? We're terrible judges of our own gentleness. I do this all the time. I'll invite you into a scenario in my house. It's one of those rougher parenting moments. I had to spend some time in one of our children's room. There was some correction potentially needed. And I'll walk out of that room thinking, man, I just nailed that. I mean, I don't know if I could be close to Jesus, but like grace and truth, I pretty much had it. And my wife will look at me going, dude, you were a sledgehammer in there. Like, what are you talking about? Why don't you like take a breath and go try it gentler? Is this just me? hope not. I hope it's not just me. You need a second opinion. Uh, Andy Stanley, he's a pastor. He used to challenge his people with this question. What's it like to be on the other side of me? What's it like to be on the other side of me? Maybe during your fruit inspection this week or the next few weeks, you might be able to find some people you trust and say, hey, what's it, what's it really like to be on the other side of me? I hope they would say something like this, like, yeah, I see you growing in gentleness. There's definitely more of that fruit on the vine. You've come a long way in the last five to ten years that I've known you. Or they might say, yeah, you're still as rough and harsh and grouchy and demanding and inconsiderate and a bully just like you've always been. Where where does the Lord need to de-harsh you? Are you aware of that? What area of life could use the Spirit's work to make you a gentler person? And I might, I might say the first place to check is probably the place where you have the most relational havoc. I've just found that in my life, most of uh, the relational havoc in my life is downstream from a lack of gentleness. So where's that place the Holy Spirit might be saying to you, you may not understand the, the real value of the person that you're interacting with. If you did, you might not treat it that way. You might be a little more careful, maybe a little more gentler. So do a fruit inspection. Where are you? Walk through the orchard of your life. How are the gentleness trees doing? Sad and 
like shriveled up or blooming with great gentleness. And on this one, you're going to need a second opinion. You're going to need some people you trust who can tell you this is what it's really like on the other side of you. Second application this morning for us, I think, is, and I'm going to sound like a broken record here, but really it's the only, it's the only application we have from Galatians 5. Walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. The promise of Galatians 5 is that if I walk by the Spirit, I will not gratify the deeds of the flesh. Instead, he will grow in me a delicious, ripe fruit of gentleness in my life. And for many of us, he's got a lot of work to do. And we're going to need a lot of supernatural help. And often when I think, okay, what does it mean to walk by the Spirit? Do I have a cooperation here? I think walking by the Spirit might look like this. It might look like you using the tools that the Lord and his Spirit have already given you. And so three words that I want you to consider today that might provide a, a good pattern for how I might be able to walk by the Spirit. Pray, memorize, believe. Pray, memorize, believe. I'll go through those really quickly. The first thing you could do is you could pray. As you wake up each morning and you try to abide and you try to attach yourself to the true vine and you walk by the Spirit, you might need to pray for the daily bread to be gentle. And some of you, I know you, you need to pray for the hourly bread to be gentle. Okay? You might need to pray this. You might need to pray, God, help me to see the people that surround me as you see them, as burdened, heavy laden, needing soul's rest. Help me to see them as valuable and precious and fragile so that I might be able to use strength that is under control. And this one's hard. You need to pray for this because there are a lot of people who are harder to love, people who are rough around the edges, people who are harsh to you in return the folks who never seem to want to change. And you're going to need to pray for the miracle to see them with the same eyes that Jesus Christ sees. And you're going to need to pray for eyes to see this. Next, as you walk by the Spirit, you might be able to add to your prayer this prayer for gentleness and prayer to see the way God sees people. You could maybe memorize some scripture, use the tool the Lord has already given you. Maybe make it the soundtrack of your week this week. If you keep that thing in the front of your mind. Here's, here's a couple of verses, if you want to jot these down, that might be good memory memorization verses for you. First Thessalonians 2.7, referenced it earlier. Right, We were gentle among you like a nursing mother caring for her children. Maybe for you it's Proverbs 15.1. Your natural default is harshness and sharpness, and you need on the front of your mind to have a gentle answer turns away wrath. A gentle answer turns away wrath. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs things up. Maybe you could uh, memorize Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, right? Walk in a manner worthy of, you, of your calling with all humility and gentleness. Maybe for you it's Matthew eleven twenty nine. I'd recommend it. It's the reason we put it on the, the sticker uh, this morning that you'll get out at the fruit stand. You might need to remind yourself that I am told by my Savior to learn from me. Learn, learn, he says, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly of heart, and people find their souls rest in me. Now, I, I'm just a believer in the, in the power of God's word in my life. I've seen it just too much. I've seen how those times when God's word about a topic is on the forefront of my mind, it's just, it's just much easier to walk by the Spirit. But my life devoid of God's word running through my mind, it is harder and harder to walk by His Spirit. I believe that God's word will not return void in your life if you put it to memory and store it up in your heart. So pray, memorize, and I think you could believe. I think there's another miracle the Lord might need to do in your life for some of you. Some of you need to believe, maybe for the very first time, 
that God really has been gentle with you. I mean, deep in your soul to help you believe that he's, he's dealt with you gently. Because depending on how you grew up or who you grew up with, what experiences you've had in this life, or maybe the kind of spiritual community you grew up in, you, you may have a tendency, it may be easier for you to see God as harsh and severe and demanding. And Jesus Christ would say to you today, no, 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 don't, don't misunderstand me. Do not misunderstand me. I am gentle and lowly of heart. God might say, no, I am long-suffering. I'm slow to anger. I'm abounding in steadfast love. The Holy Spirit may need to do a miracle in your heart that you could see God as, and Jesus Christ as gentle to you. Because what you believe about God is the most important thing about you, and if you believe he's dealt with you harshly, you are probably going to turn around and deal with people harshly. But if you could believe through the power of the Holy Spirit that God has been gentle with you, then you may have the beginnings of a recipe for being gentler, gentler to others. So, walk by the Spirit, Grace Covenant Church. Pray, memorize, believe as you do that. I want to I finish where we started today. How we treat things says a lot about how we value them. How we treat things says a lot about how we value them. And friends, the God of the universe values you so much that he treats you gently. He is slow to anger. Our Savior is gentle and lowly of heart. And when you come to him, your soul finds rest and light yokes. He knows how fragile you are really. And so he handles you with the care and the gentleness that is befitting of the image of God inside you. And in the same way, those who walk by his spirit will treat the precious things of God with the care and gentleness that is appropriate, with strength that is under control. So that the people I interact with this week, the grocery store clerk that is going way too slow, or that coworker who did that thing again, or that spouse who used those two words and they know it drives you crazy, or that aging parent who's losing some of their control and abilities and they're coming to groups with their own mortality and they're lashing out at you with anger and stubbornness and frustration that you, you might be able to see those people, whether they would ever say it or admit it, that they're fragile and they're image bearers of the God of the universe. They are not just some baseball cards worth a couple hundred bucks. And they have so much more value. And so, and friends, you, you have a lot of power in their lives. So use it wisely. Better yet, use it, use it gently. Handle with the appropriate amount of care. Let the Holy Spirit have the reins. Let's be a people who treat people according to their true value. And that's gently because of a Savior that has treated us gently. And he says to his disciples, he says to us, he says to us, Grace Covenant Church, this morning, he says, learn from me. Learn from me and follow me. Let me pray for us. Oh, Father God, would you make us gentle? Lord, would you make me a gentle man? Would you make us as a people at Grace Covenant Church a gentle people? Lord, we, we, we right now, we invite you 
We invite your spirit to do this work in our lives. We ask you to do in us what you've been doing for disciples for all ages. By the power of your spirit, would you do a supernatural work to make us a more gentler people? God, make me, make me gentle like my Savior. Make me careful, God, to consider and use the appropriate level of care and concern that the image bearers all around me deserve. Jesus, how, how gentle you've been with me. You've been so long-suffering, so patient. Would you take the reins of this wild horse and would you tame it for your glory and for your purposes on this earth? Make us a gentle people, people who have strength under control. And we ask it in the name of our gentle Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.